0: Wow, on the show today, a true virtuoso and a tasteful, soulful player, Vinny Moore, solo artist and, of course, longtime guitarist for UFO, and he's got a new album called Double Exposure. We're going to dive into that and so much more right here on New Guitar is Safe. Love me some Vinnie Moore. Hey, hey, yeah, that's right. No guitar is safe. The guitar show where guitar heroes plug in. I am still Jude Gold. I love hanging out with fantastic guitar players, jamming with them, and finding out how they created their style and built their career and just what they love to do on guitar. And super psyched to have Vinnie Moore on the show today. Thank you Guitar Player Magazine for making this happen and guitarplayer.com. You gotta check out both those mediums, media. Guitar player, play better, sound better. Yeah, let me tell you a little story. You know, about for about three years and eight months starting in early 2009, I was the chair of the guitar department at Musicians Institute which of course used to be GIT back in the day. And it was a thrill of mine to be the person booking all the guitar clinics. And for the for the bigger names, we would use the concert hall. And we had Vinnie Moore there in the concert hall. It was a wonderful afternoon. And I always appreciate when cats do this, you know, because they're on the road. They probably have a sound check. They've maybe just checked into their hotel an hour before that. And then they got to go do the sound check and the concert. And they fit us in there at... Musicians Institute and he was one of those casts that came through and he sounded so good we just had a half stack on the stage I think it was an Ingle half stack and he would talk to the to the students in the audience and other musicians from all the programs but a lot of guitar players of course and show them what he does and then later that night yeah I went and checked out the show UFO iconic legendary hard rock slash metal band and Vinny fit in so well. Huge notes, wonderful tones, and also nice, super fast bursts of speed whenever he needed to, but always super tasteful. Great concert. Ever since that day, I couldn't wait for another chance to hang out with Vinny and uh, learn more about his story and what he does. And, well, the day finally came. And here it is for you. This was so close to being an in-person podcast because I had a gig in Philadelphia. He lives not far from there, and we were going to make it happen. He got sick, not COVID, as far as I know. And um, so we ended up doing it on Zoom, but don't worry. You know I would never give you Zoom audio or phone audio. He's in his home studio tracking straight into his machine through a Marshall tube head vintage, and it sounds great you know how it works. He sends me the tracks afterwards, mix them with my tracks, blend it together. Voila! And yes, he's got this killer new album out, Double Exposure. Then he's got a lot of solo albums out, starting with his first one back in the day when Mike Varney signed him in Guitar Player Magazine. Well, you know, he appeared in the Guitar Player Magazine spotlight. I
1: feel something coming
0: said, yo, you gotta do a record for me on shrapnel. Anyway, yeah, this is episode 159. You still have to go back and hear all 158 previous ones, even if you don't know the name of the guitar player. And don't any of you tell me you didn't hear Simon McBride on the last episode. That was an epic hang. I recorded that in person with Simon in Oberhausen, Germany, because as you might remember, playing with Jefferson Starship, we were supporting Deep Purple. Simon McBride is the new guitar player taking over for Steve Morse, and that was a deep hang and a lot of uh, very special audio on that episode, taking you to the concert with Deep Purple, because wow, I was there every night with them, and every night they blew my mind. So check that out. Speaking of live shows, I got a message from someone in New Zealand. Well, first of all, it was a cool message, you know. He said he was homebound with covid and he was dis- and he had discovered the show and was binging on no guitar is safe and thanking me for the episodes hope you're feeling better hope all y'all are feeling better and not dealing with covid can't remember if i told you but i finally got it in july three days of uh, not feeling good but then another five days of trying to test negative come on negative that's a whole other story but yeah no guitar is safe we are your covid companion but this show is also your companion for everything else you do. You know, you're working on your car, you know, you're working out, you're hiking, you're shopping, you're performing open heart surgery, you're diffusing a bomb, landing the space shuttle, giving the court deposition, no guitar safe, in your AirPods, got it? So yeah, speaking of New Zealand, we're headed there, Jefferson Starship, six shows. You know, it's beautiful down there this time of year, summertime. We'll be there right after Christmas, and they're all outdoor festival gigs with UB40 headlining. We're lucky to support, and we're lucky to have this killer band in the opening slot called Dragon. If you don't know them, well, they're really popular from uh, Australia, New Zealand region. Great guitar player, Bruce Reed. Can't wait to see them again. And uh, then we hit Japan, three cities in Japan, so that's what's up. Hope to see some of you out there in those two of my favorite countries I've ever been to. Super psyched. Hey, happy holidays. Here we are. Merry Christmas coming up real soon. I think tonight is the first night of Hanukkah? Everything. New Year's. All the best to all y'all. Here comes 2023 with tons more shows coming. Really appreciate you supporting No Guitar Is Safe. The best thing you can do is tell your friends about it. Let's head over to... Philly, well, actually, Delaware, and jam with Vinny Moore. It's funny; he's such a good sport too. Because when we start out, I'm kind of trying to get a jam going over Zoom, which we all know is impossible because there's like a three quarter, there's like a three quarters of a second latency problem going both ways. But he's game, and and we have a good time with that. And then we get into the to the show. I hope you dig it. Thanks again to Guitar Player Magazine and GuitarPlayer.com. Keep it alive till you're 95, y'all. Let's go hang out with Vinnie Moore. The time is
1: I just love hearing your fingers on the
0: strings man, it sounds so good.
2: I'm trying to follow your fingers...
0: as I live and breathe. What's up? Hey. You sound so great, man. Thanks for doing this. Thanks very much. Oh, you are so uh, game. I mean, you're so uh, good sport. You're such a good sport, Vinny. I really appreciate you trying that. I won't make you do that again. But you know, we were trying to do this the other day in Philly. Obviously, life got in the way, but that was a valiant effort we had. Uh, I was playing at a casino kind of near you at right downtown or near the airport somewhere. And you're in Delaware, right?
2: Yeah, I'm about 30 minutes drive from the airport. I've made that trip several times, of course.
0: (laughs) Several hundred times.
2: I got sick last week, and uh, on Friday, it's probably good that I didn't come visit you because I wasn't feeling so chipper, and you might be sick now (laughs) if Oh, perfectly
0: understandable and uh, totally acceptable. Thank you for rallying to do it today. I know you got another interview later today with, with Mr. Trunk. Yes, sir. Coming up. That should be pretty cool. Congratulations on that.
2: Thank you. Yeah, it'll be a lot of fun. Always good speaking to Eduardo, as I call him.
0: Okay. What are you
2: playing? A strap?
0: A music this man? This is a this is a music man. Good eye. You can't see the headstock, but you nailed it.
2: Yeah, it's because of the bridge, I think. Yeah, this is cutlass.
0: A, right when we turned on the mics, I noticed that check one. I can the echo is my voice is going through the guitar pickup and coming out the The echo of the the Roland amp
2: That's crazy As I told you on a song on my record At the end of the song A chord was ringing out And I just I don't know why I go It don't mean a thing If it ain't got that swing (laughs) And it came through And I'm like I gotta keep that in there
0: Yeah, well, it's perfect. Uh, perfect time to jump right in. Okay. Double exposure. Is this your first like vocal record? You got some. You got some great guest singers on here.
2: It's my first solo vocal record. I mean, of course, I've done vocal stuff with UFO, but oh, yeah, yeah, this is something I always wanted to do. And when I was starting on this record, it wasn't intended to be a vocal record. It was going to be like a, an instrumental EP. It was during the lockdowns and I was getting bored and I thought, man, I just want to keep busy and get something out there so this could be a really quick way, you know, get six songs out there. It won't take long. It'll be painless and easy. And then I was listening to the demos and uh, I was listening to one song in particular and started hearing vocals in my head. I started singing along with it and I went, hey, wait a minute, this could be a good vocal song. Maybe I could have somebody sing on it. And, uh... So I kept that in mind I continued listening to the other songs and I realized like that every one of them could be a vocal song and so I got this idea it was like a light bulb moment hey you know what if I did like the six instrumentals but then did another version of each one with a a vocalist and uh, yeah so that's how I came up with the idea you know just listening to the mixes to the demos and, uh, yeah, so this idea was born, and, you know, my short little project uh, kind of grew into a more massive undertaking and took a lot longer than I originally anticipated, but I'm kind of glad I did something different and, and a little quirky. And, yeah, I had a lot of fun with it, but, uh, yeah, it wasn't planned to be a vocal record, actually.
0: If you pick up your guitar and you're going to play a riff off the new record or something, what's the first thing that comes out of your hands, like you just plugged in your guitar? Show us something from your new um, oh, wow. Exposure.
2: Well, I guess the first song, which was the. Uh, which is Vertical Horizons. When I was doing that riff, um, you know, this is pretty staccato here, this low E. I wasn't using my uh, palm to mute as I usually do. I, for some reason, was using my second finger. And that harmonic was coming out without me being aware of it. And I'm, I'm like, isolating everything in my project, like, just, like, soloing tracks. Like, where is that ring coming from? And it's coming from me, and I just didn't know where it was coming from. So then I thought that was kind of cool, and it gave me the idea to, like, to add some of those harmonics. It's weird that harmonic is coming not over a fret, but like right in the middle of the fret. Yeah. So I started like experimenting with that, like. And then also I found some at the second fret, which don't always come out. You got to be loud and have a distorted sound. And yeah, so I started adding those harmonics. And uh, yeah, came kind of came about by accident.
0: Isn't it cool how we discover stuff, like after playing guitar for decades, some new little thing? It's like the gift right, that keeps on giving, accident. huh?
2: They're right. usually the best things, you know? I'm trying to get rid of this sound because I want it to be real tight, and then I realized, wow, that harmonic is kind of cool, so I kind of expanded on it and played more than one string. Yeah, but you have to be loud and, and have a certain EQ to get those to pop out.
0: Let's dig into this thing about, obviously, once a person dives into the record, they start to get the concept of the title, Double Exposure. It's like two different versions of each picture. Like, Rise is the second track.
1: I feel something coming over. I feel something in my head.
0: And it's... You know, it's kind of a funky groove to it. And then there's another version of the tune that's 100% instrumental. Breaking through? Breaking through, and you got some crazy harmonized guitar on the instrumental version. like an intelligent harmonizer or did you harmonize yourself or what's going on there it's
2: an uh even tied plug-in i think it's called quadravox which has four harmonies and there's also i guess octa which does eight harmonies and but four was enough for me and i only used two for that particular track and uh i initially just wanted a fourth above And I could like double that like I always used to do on my earlier records, but I wanted the effect of, you know, the plugin doing it. But I started experimenting and I found like that a third below was kind of cool too. So I have a fourth above and a third below. And just playing while you hear all that inspires you in a different way than if you played the melody and then went and added the uh, harmony, you know, yourself. So it was cool. It was the first time I've done it that way, and I really like the effect. It's a cool plugin. It's for vocals, actually, but it works for guitar, too.
0: Right. Do you set it to the key, kind of?
2: Yeah, you set it to the key, and also the mode, which was the d Dorian, I think, in this case. And, uh, yeah, it's intelligent, yeah. and
0: a very yeah, cool
2: thing, and it's great to play with the, the harmonies there because it definitely affects the way you play.
0: And you get some... Crazy bends on that part, when with which is all harmonized, but yeah, also on other really other moments of it. Tracking
2: the bends too, which was like a great thing.
0: I just noticed some bends on some of your other fills on some of these songs, and they really almost sound like slides sometimes, or almost like a fretless guitar. But I assume it's your bar mostly. Or can you show us some of that?
2: Oh, you know, what's? I think I know the song you're talking about. But basically, I think I'm doing this kind of stuff. That kind of thing. Oh, somebody's calling me, which means it's a spam call, because we only get spam (laughs) on the home phone. But is that what you mean? You know. Yeah, I think that's what it is. It's just like I'm sliding, you know. Who dareth call me? Okay, sorry about that. Yeah, in the song on one day, there's a lot of that. You know, I just kind of like wanted to make it as expressive as possible and uh, just doing things like that.
0: beautiful and one day is like the reprise of
2: river flow river flow river yeah. flow funny how the
1: rain comes in feel a chill embrace the wind riding high and run in low same old story
0: so
2: Yeah, when I was sequencing the record, at first I was thinking maybe I should mix it up and have vocal, instrumental, you know, kind of do that. And I thought, you know, let me like go all vocal, hit people with that, and then all instrumental, and then keep it symmetrical. And, you know, there was no right or wrong answer, but I just decided to go with it that way.
0: What's that uh, slow tune that uh, Keith Slack comes in with? His I thought it was Hummingbird.
2: Hummingbird is Keith Slack, yeah?
0: Yeah, I can you hear this? Yeah. And so what, he's just got a great vibrato on his voice too. In, he does, man. To.
2: Nice, warm, husky voice, and he's kind of got that southern sound. And he was the obvious choice for Hummingbird because it's kind of got a you know a southern rock kind of vibe, and uh, his voice just fit in perfectly. So that was a
0: no-brainer choosing him for that one. I, I love that song, and it just—it's vaguely similar to uh, one of my favorite songs, Devil's Right Hand. Just the intro, just the very Devil's opening. Devil's Right Hand. Who was that? which is uh Steve Earle. Oh, okay. I'm
2: going to have a, to check that it's out. It's like
0: the it's an incredible song about handguns and um, and there's, you know, my mama always said pistol is a devil's rat right hand. Oh, okay. Bad bad ass tune, but so uh, that intro is very uh, got that emotional sound which I love and then that voice Okay. Is that a Chris Cornell? Almost like there's something about his voice that kind of is in the same ballpark as Chris Cornell, in a sense.
2: Yeah, I could definitely see that. Um, I Maybe he was inspired by Chris Cornell. In fact, we did a gig um, in 1999. I, my solo band was opening for Michael Schenker in Seattle, and uh, Keith was was singing for Michael Schenker, and that's actually how I met Keith. But apparently chris cornell and some of the Soundgarden guys were there that night and said something really positive about keith's voice so it's kind of weird that it's coming back around here so yeah uh, you know maybe he was inspired by him I, I guess a lot of it's just natural but yeah i love both of those voices to be totally honest with you
0: yeah i think mystified right is a tribute from one of your early records um to keith to chris cornell was that a on soul shifter
2: yeah i was um writing songs and uh i woke up one morning and i heard the news on the radio and it was like i was in shock you know i couldn't believe it because the guy was so young so healthy and uh, such a great talent and i just it put me in like a sad mood and i went into the studio that day and i just start playing these chords and you know how it happens you know the mood you're in kinda kind of filters through the guitar somehow and just started playing some chords and creating some melodies and it just sort of happened really fast.
0: Any uh, other... Techniques on the new record that you wanted—that you any new approaches or guitar solo things, lead guitar or rhythm guitar that you wanted to show us real quick, or if that comes to mind? I know it's kind of hard to think of maybe right at the top of your head.
2: Anything but new? Now I just play my old stuff over and over again. <laughs> Someday somebody's well, gonna like it.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, man, we all love it. But you know, anything that just pops in your head or just some lick. Try another think show us, show like, us another moment from your record. Good one.
2: Well, Hummingbird was kind of a cool thing. Actually, it was hard to lay that one in, actually. That's actually, I mean, deceiving. When I started tracking that, it was not easy to just get that to lay right in there. There's a certain percussiveness to it and uh, Yeah, one of those parts that you kind of think will be simple, and then you get into the studio and start laying it down, and you go, damn, (laughs) why can't I play this?
0: All right, can you play over this? If I play, can you hear it? Mm -hmm.
2: Time. I'm not responsible.
0: <laughs> All right, so let's go back to something that you mentioned. I don't know if that was the first time you opened for MSG, Michael Shanker Group, but obviously Shanker, the, you know, the let's say the founding, he's not the founding member, but of the early years of UFO, he was the most.
2: Yeah, I would say he's the quintessential that's the word it's i'm looking for. guitar player
0: in ufo although you've been in the band longer than he ever was which is incredible by by three times or something i don't know he, yeah, he came back odd. a few times so yeah it's the new guy syndrome people still think of you as new but you've been there 17 18 19 years or something
2: yeah we're approaching 20 and it's funny because i never thought it would go that long i thought it might go five years when i first joined and my, how the time flew, and here we are almost 20 years later, and I'm I'm still doing it. And uh, from what I've been told, there have been 17 guitarists in UFO, I, or I'm the 17th, so.
0: <laughs> yeah, but some of them are probably short stints. But anyhow, let's go back to Shanker for a second. Was that the first time you met him? What was it like meeting him the first time? What kind of interactions have you had with this uh, great guitarist of a band, an incredible guitar gig that you now have playing with a band, but... We all know that Shanker is uh, famous for being unpredictable, but also super inspirational. Tell us about Shanker and your experiences with him.
2: Okay, well, I first met him at a concrete foundations forum back in, oh God, 91, I think. And uh, Mike Varney actually introduced me to him. And that was just a real quick meeting and uh, not much happening there. And then we toured together in 99, we did 32 shows in America, I opened, we shared the same band, Um, we all traveled on a tour bus, except Michael, he wanted to drive alone with his wife, and uh, to be totally honest, I didn't see him much on the whole tour, he was like very much to himself, and uh, you know, not a lot of conversation to be honest on that tour, he was friendly enough, but you know, and I heard him play every night, it was awesome, but just didn't get really get to know him. What uh, were those
0: shows like? Were they uh, clubs and stuff, or small yeah, theaters, like or clubs, just everything? You know, your typical things all over the country. What was each night like when you were uh, playing with him? That's interesting to have two totally amazing guitar players and two totally different guitar players, but in the, within the same genre, kind of.
2: It was a lot of fun. Um, we did at one point eleven shows in a row, and I remember Keith thinking, "Man, I don't know. I'm got my voice is going to make it through this, but I've got to somehow get through it." And you know, it's pretty crazy. Keith did a great job. Eleven shows in a row, and uh, you know, it was just pretty much like a typical tour. Go out there and and do your thing, and you know, I, every night I got to like hear. Michael's band played too, so it was kind of a little bonus, you know. Walked to the side of the stage if I wanted to, and it was an awesome thing. It's funny, I ran into Michael at a hotel in Germany. I had flown overnight, and we were starting a UFO tour or a UFO record. I can't even rem- remember, but, and we always start in Hanover, Germany. That's where our manager is and where our gear is, so that's kind of our home base for the European shows. And uh, I flew there overnight, I got to this hotel, I walk in the lobby, I'm checking in, and Michael's there. He, at the time, he's living in Hanover too. And for a second I thought, man, if these guys made me fly all the way here to tell me Michael's back in the band and I'm gone, <laughs> I'm gonna be pissed that they just didn't tell me over the phone, cause I'm tired. But uh, turns out there was a heat wave in Germany And Michael went and stayed at the same hotel, this Marriott, by chance. And uh, so it was kind of weird, like, seeing him in in the lobby of this hotel.
0: So you guys have a little conversation?
2: A little bit, yeah. Very friendly guy and
0: uh, very cool. Well, you seem like someone who would appreciate Michael Schenker's playing a lot because you love, like, Leslie West and and players like that and Jeff Beck. Obviously, you first became known because of your incredible, you know, melody and... Paganini-like prowess of speed, but Shanker's not really on that same sort of player. But I would think that you must have loved his playing, and uh, when you watched him every night on that tour, what did you pick up from? Uh, watch- you must have have walked away with something or learned something. Or I think I you picked somehow. up
2: more growing up and listening to the UFO records and learning some of those solos, and that happened like at a real informative, uh, you know, impressionable time. Because I was young and learning, so yeah, he was definitely one of the guys that I was really into, and I definitely learned, uh, you know, some of his stuff and UFO songs and his, the, I was, was gonna say band? yeah,
0: show us, show us some of these solos or, or show us some little pieces of things that you love that you play that are Shanker oh, Let's see stuff, if I can or...
2: remember because we don't do this song. Uh, it's called High Flyer, and uh, my teacher showed me this when I was a kid, and I don't know if this is the right. Uh, position hand positioning, but it was kind of something like <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember it no for no, but. <laughs> Something like that. So that was like one of his things that I, I learned. Real melodic, real emotional. And uh, back then, also the solo in Love to Love. Yeah, so it's just some of those yeah. things.
0: Your vibrato is so beautiful, too. And then he has a great oh, vibrato, thank you. too. Uh, yeah, you have any, any thoughts on vibrato? Like, you're not doing the kind of, which I, <laughs> huh. some people can pull off a really fast kind of, but you're doing this really sweet, like kind of a wide, slower. What are your thoughts on vibrato?
2: Man, I mean, I guess I, when I practiced when I was a kid with vibrato, one of the guys was Robin Trower. He always had that awesome. <laughs> so it kind of emulated that a little bit. Yes.
1: <laughs>
2: so he was a big influence on my vibrato, but I think you know you hear guys like David Gilmour and Leslie, and it all rubs off somehow. You know, but when I play, I don't really think about it anymore. I just kind of like I just wiggled me hand and see what happens.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and uh, that neck humbucker. Tell us about this guitar. Is this um, your, one of your new Kramers?
2: This is a Kramer Pacer, and uh, they did some mods to this one. Um, recess the bridge. I like the uh, bridge profile to be as low as possible because it just feels more comfortable for my right hand. And is that a
0: Floyd Rose? So,
2: yeah, it's a Floyd Rose. It's recessed, and so the neck had to come down closer to the body as well. So they carved some wood somewhere, and we also added some jumbo frets and... I played this on the tour we did over in Europe, and also my solo tour that I did earlier in the year in Europe,
0: too. So have yeah, been busy. Why, do, why like, do you like it recessed?
2: I don't know. It's like if the strings are really high off the body, like a Les Paul, I feel like my, my palm kind of rests on the strings, and when I go to play the low strings, my hand kind of falls off. It mm-hmm, falls off it's really cliff. weird. Back in the early days of my playing, that didn't happen. So I, I really have no answer to
0: why it happens now. That's cool. Are you going to have a Vinny, or do you have a Vinny um, signature model Kramer? Or? I'm
2: working on some stuff right now. There's a new one in the works that I should be getting soon. But this here... Yeah again was just a pacer it was kind of kind of a transition guitar just to kind of help me through the shows i was doing and get closer to honing in on on like you know a custom signature type of thing
0: it sounds great what pickups are in there
2: this is a custom wound kramer I, i don't you're going to think I'm lying, but this is the first time I've ever plugged it in because I sent this guitar back to them. They did some mods, and they put a new pickup for me to try. And I'm really lazy. I've been doing a lot of interviews and a lot of business stuff, so I haven't gotten had a chance to get down to the studio. So this is actually the first time I've tried it, and I like it so far, to be honest.
0: Fantastic. And the neck pickup is...
2: I don't even there. know what it is, to be honest with you. It's a Kramer, or it might even be an Epiphone pickup. And it just sounds more like... (laughs) I like switching between pickups a lot um, when I play live. I mean, I'm constantly... Also, um, both pickups at once is kind of cool, and another thing I find myself doing a lot on stage is the volume control. I don't always play on ten. I like to kind of crank it down to, like, four. I got more of a half overdriven sound. With that, you can even play, like, these kind of chords. Beautiful. Yeah, so, you can get a lot of different tones just by changing
0: the volume control on the guitar. Just beautiful stuff there, Vinny. Oh um, man, thank you. And you obviously had an SG going on some stuff, right?
2: Yeah, I really like wanted to get an SG for a long time. and I finally bought an Epiphone SG, and uh, man, I ended up using a lot on the record. Fell in love with it, and uh, just thought, how could I have not known about this guitar? You know, a lot sooner and i like the shape of it the way my right arm feels when i pick on it i can really do some muting kind of stuff that i can't do on other guitars and you know i used it for some solos and rhythms on on the new record in the song southern highway the verses are all the sg with like uh, i think neck pickup and also middle position with both pickups which is really cool because you have two volume controls so you can make a lot of adjustments and and actually drive yourself crazy because there's so many different combinations with two volume controls. Sometimes I just use the neck, I mean, the bridge pickup with the volume on 10, and it just screams. So, yeah, I'm glad I discovered the guitar.
0: Are you a Frank Marino fan?
2: Love Frank Marino, man.
0: Yeah, me too.
2: Uh, It's funny, a lot of people were saying on my Facebook page when I showed the picture of the album cover, which is me holding the SG, Oh, maybe it sounds like Frank Marino. Does this one sound like Frank? And I'm like, sorry to let you down. Not not really, but you, if you could just pick up a guitar and sound like the guy who played it, I mean, I might go buy one of Eddie's Frankenstein guitars
0: or whatever. Oh, exactly, yeah. I've, I've bought so much gear over the years because somebody great was playing it and sounding so good. I brought, I bought a Fender the Twin because Robin Ford was using those on fly dates or something. But you know i didn't instantly sound like robin ford when i got it
2: funny how that doesn't happen (laughs) you know like that stuff like that could lead you in a good direction you know yeah if some so-and-so is using this amp or this pedal it might kind of get you part of the way there and steer you in the right direction but you really need to to get it going with your hands and your mind and and, you know the way you set the
0: sounds the the tone controls of the pedal or the amp or whatever exactly now um Maybe we can get in the time machine for a second or two. There's so many great moments from your career. Can you show us some of the stuff that you might have played on Invader with Vicious Rumors? This is oh, after you got God. you got signed with uh, Shrapnel, Mike Varney, famous story after appearing in Spotlight and Guitar Player magazine, and I think Mind's Eye was the first record. Mind's oh. Eye was the
2: first record. Man, Invader. God, I don't even remember that. I, I, I think mean, it doesn't it have to be
0: literally... You don't have to literally play a note for note back. It oh, was an E, this-
2: right? Yeah, I think so. I remember there might have been like a volume control thing, but yeah. it, it was at that time where it was popular to put a guitar solo on a record because Eddie had done Eruption. And, you know, my memory of that is just going into the studio... And doing the, all the solos on that record in like four hours one night and uh, not playing that solo as good as i did on my demo and kind of being frustrated that damn i could have done better so i was kind huh. of disappointed by that because some of the picking stuff kind of wasn't up to my ability you know that thing where on a certain day you you go into record and and just something's not working a hundred percent oh and man
0: it sounds amazing
2: Ah, there's some picking stuff that I could have played cleaner. So that's the, what I remember is like, oh, God, that.
0: Yeah, it's funny. Uh, remember it? Eddie Van Halen says, says the same thing about eruption. He says there's a mistake in there, and I finally there's a video of him on a couch at Jason Becker's house, and he finally explains what it is. Really? And what is you, it? Not, well, you know what? The, it's, it's on the easiest part of the song. You know, he's like, "Where's where's it go?" So he's up here. He's up, and there's one point where he kind of goes. The pattern kind of goes, instead of high, low, middle, it kind of goes high, middle, low. Like, it just gets a little off for a second.
2: Oh, uh, you but know, the that thing solo is, sucks then. I'm never going to listen to it again. Damn it. <laughs> I thought it was it's, perfect. That one note ruins it for me.
0: <laughs> it's just the classic thing. Like, even him, he's like, oh, that little part's not perfect. But to me, having listened to that since I was 12 years old, I like that little part. It sounds like a race car that almost goes over the cliff on the guardrails and then rights itself and gets back on. It adds to the intensity. But it's funny that the player, him, Mr. Van Halen, would never see it that way. Yeah, I mean,
2: there's the curse as an artist. You know, when you're laying stuff down, you're like too hypersensitive and too aware of things. And, you know, they can bug you if you let them. But often there's been things that have, Bugged me, and then I'll come back even a day later and listen to it and go, Oh, that's so small. It doesn't bug me at all. It's there, and I'm always going to know it's there. But, you know, people don't analyze under a microscope, which is kind of the vibe you can get into when you're recording. And uh, it's a dangerous place to be because you'll start killing the feel of what you've played just by trying to make it perfect. And I find that if you can get in and get out quickly, it's better. The more time you spend on something, you kind of get drawn into that vortex where you're overanalyzing and looking too closely. And then you'll fix something that doesn't need to be fixed, you know, and you can get crazy with it. And that is kind of one of my main things when I'm recording that I have to be aware of and to kind of consciously try to avoid because I'll get too perfectionist
0: and it's just it's stupid. Word. Well said. Now... Can I figure out just somehow how you evolved from famously wanting a guitar out of the JCPenney catalog? Why a guitar, first of all? There's so many cool things in there. It could have been like skateboards or anything. Or a Red
2: Ryder dual carbide pistol pump triple action BB <laughs> gun.
0: You say it just looked cool in the catalog, but there must have been something else. Were, were you into music? Were your parents into music? How you must You obviously have a very musical side to you.
2: Well, my, no one in my family played an instrument. Uh, apparently my granddad used to play drums, but that was before I was born. And But my, all of my family loved listening to music, so I grew up hearing music all the time. But on this particular Christmas, it was getting late in the year, and my mom was asking me, like, what do you want for Christmas? And I was like, I don't know. I have no idea what I want. And she was like, well, you better, like, let me know soon. It's getting late. So she gave me this JCPenney catalog, and I started paging through, and I saw the guitar. And for some reason, I was fascinated by it. And it's funny. I went online and actually found this catalog um it's online somewhere you can find like jc catalogs throughout the years and i found this 1977 christmas catalog and saw the actual page of the guitar i was like wow this is crazy but i don't cool. know why i was interested in it i mean i was really into rock bands of course the beatles led zeppelin uh things like that yeah. so maybe that had a lot to do with it and For whatever reason, I wanted a guitar, and I got the guitar for Christmas. And I kind of underestimated how hard it would be to play. I remember hearing this song on the radio. It was called Strawberry Letter Number 23. Oh, Oh, hell yeah. And there was this solo in it. I don't know what it was, but I don't even know what key it was, but there was kind of... and that's sloppy yeah. but something like that and I thought yeah, oh yeah. in a couple weeks I'll be able to play that and here I am whatever f- 40 years later and I still
0: can't play it <laughs> yeah it's funny um, Yeah, I love that solo I, I, yeah, one t- sometimes I grab a looper pedal and I do both parts like I'll do the first part and then add the harmony I think the Ohio players that was Lee Rittenauer who played it, but he didn't write it
1: oh but, really? But,
0: on the Ohio Players version, Lee Rittenauer, I mean, come on, perfect picker. Just nailed it. Yeah, man. So, I had some of his solo records. Suggy Otis released the original version that he wrote it and he recorded in, like, I don't know, 1970 or something. Okay. And it's equally cool. And it's got a real no psychedelic flange treatment. Yeah. I'll have to look for that. Check out the Suggy Otis Strawberry Letter 23. That's the original.
2: Yeah, you know, and I thought, I'll be able to do that in a couple weeks. And then, like, I put my hand on the guitar and I went, hey, wait a minute, this isn't happening as easy as I uh, anticipated. So it definitely took some time.
0: Now, what was the first... Well, show me something like that you really remember playing and digging. in. does not your first riff necessarily, but maybe two years in or something where you really made a breakthrough in guitar or something that felt good. Like could be your own stuff or another riff from another guitar player. Could you demonstrate Man, something? I from- remember
2: joining a band with guys that were a couple years older than me, and there was a guitar player named Glenn Miller, believe it or not, and he taught me a lot of songs they were playing. So it was my like first. Uh, Time realizing I could play some bar chords and actually play whatever on um, bad company songs or free songs. And uh, man, I remember there was one by the babies, but I don't, this might be it. Man, I'm trying to think what else. You know, it's kind of funny, like it's always smoke on the water and Iron Man in the beginning. And, uh, but the first thing I learned lead wise, I was when I started playing guitar, I'd been playing six months, and I heard an ad on the local radio station that Jeff, Peck, Jeff Beck was coming to town and they were playing the Wired record in the background. It was that tour, I guess. And so yeah. I thought, oh, that sounds really good. So I went out and bought Jeff Beck Wired, and wow, that had such a monumental effect on my playing and my life, to be honest with you. And I remember one day figuring out uh, Blue Wind. uh, And for this part, I didn't even know what a bend was. So I didn't bend. I was just like fingering the notes. And I played the next part wrong. Instead of playing, I played, and I couldn't even hear that it was wrong. But anyway, it kind of boosted my ego a little bit. I thought, wow. I'm playing lead now, man. Listen to me. Yeah, yeah. And, exactly. uh, and then I started just making up patterns with single notes where I'd take like 1-3 across the strings. <laughs> and I had no idea harmonically what it was about, but I just made up this little pattern, pattern and I started like, playing shapes within that pattern and that was like before i knew there were scales or knew about a blue scale or whatever and but i just like thought it was cool that i wasn't playing chords anymore i was playing notes and uh like wow i'm a lead player now man so yeah i like thought wow i'm actually playing lead and maybe i'm closer to playing that strawberry letter 23 thing and uh, yeah, I f- uh, started taking lessons soon after that. And then, of course, my teacher was showing me a lot of scales and patterns. And yeah, now so that's kind of how it started.
0: Astonishingly fast. I mean, within 10 years, you were a virtuoso. Virtuoso. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm a virtue. I hope so. Maybe something. <laughs> no, man. But, you're an awesome player. Come on. Oh, okay. Well, thank you, but...
2: I've Thanks. seen your videos no. a lot, and I appreciate it. it Not, I wasn't fishing stuff. for
0: compliments, but I really appreciate that. <laughs> I know you weren't, but um, so I mean, I remember practicing some patterns. You must have done some kind of practice, whether it was a discipline regimen or just you just picked up and you just ended up doing stuff every day. But do you remember some of the stuff that you practiced to get some of that Paganini like? Well, part of my practice thing was
2: just improvising. I'd turn on the radio and just jam, like, solo over any song that came on. Sometimes if I didn't like a song, I'd change the dial. I was constantly moving around, like, oh, here, I can jam with this one. Or I'd put on a record and jam with it. So there was a lot of improv that was part of my practice routine. But then... The technical stuff was just the boring chromatic exercises, man, I'm, I covered them a lot on my first video. That boring stuff, and then the threes. Yeah. So that was like really good at getting the left and right hand in sync with one another and getting the pick picking better. Cause at a certain point I didn't think my picking was kinda gonna be, I was gonna go in that direction. I mean, I was like really into Al Demiola, but I'd see him live or hear his records and the picking was just insane. It's like, okay, I'm not gonna make that level, but I got, I'm doing more bluesy stuff and more left-hand legato type of stuff. So, you know, maybe I don't have to get to that level. But then I started really getting into the picking thing and doing a lot of those exercises and my picking did get a lot better. And uh, so it just kinda sorta happened. Now, but, I don't yeah, really hear you play
0: too many chromatic stuff, maybe just for a second or two within a line. I hear you playing more melodic stuff and yeah. bluesy. So where does it progress from, from chromatic picking exercises to maybe something that's actually more like something you would use in a solo?
2: Well, the chromatic mm-hmm. stuff, there's also three-note uh, patterns in there. So you might... I snuck some fours in there. Sorry. But yeah, so like that's like a. My arm froze up while we're talking. So yeah, some three things like that. Sorry for the slop.
0: Oh, no. It's beautiful. Any other stuff that you can show us that you do? It's hard for me to ask because I don't know how to describe it, but. Right. Going, going from just all, you just showed us an alternated picking line, kind of, mm-hmm. and going up the strings, right? Mm-hmm. But how do you mix it up to where, because when you play, it doesn't sound like you're running a scale pattern. You're throwing it in the
2: kitchen sink. I, I, that's one thing I tried to avoid because when I first started learning to play scales, I would use them to improvise over backing tracks that I created. And, you know, the first thing you do is you're like. Or, or. And to me, it starts to sound like an exercise. So I just became conscious of trying to avoid those kind of patterns and mixing it up a little bit. But I don't know how I broke out of it. I just tried to do, you know, to not do that stuff. And... It's really hard to explain and when I think about it, it doesn't flow as freely as when I'm just kind of lost in in it and playing just feeling it. Just mix it up you know have a short yeah. memory only you only learn part of something and then jump to something else
0: all right let's uh do some uh, quick questions okay what's next what's next for UFO what's the latest uh, are we gonna is Phil coming back to uh, rock the house
2: um I know he would like to he's going through therapy right now he has stents put in his arteries and he tells me he's feeling better and that the therapy's going, the physical therapy's going well, and he's glad he's doing it, and he seems to be in great spirits, and I know he feels like we didn't end it on a proper note because we canceled some European dates, and he wants to, like, he'd prefer to go out there and end it, you know, properly, as the English Um, would say. So I communicate with him a lot, and it's mostly jokes. In fact, if I went on my phone right now, there's probably a joke message from him you know replying to my joke message he seems to be in good spirits so I think there's a good chance there's going to be some more shows but let's all
0: hope yeah Yeah, definitely that would be a beautiful moment Um, it's going to happen what show us uh, one of your favorite like if if you had to hop on stage right now and play one UFO song can you just play me something that gets your heart pumping
2: man I always like too hot to handle it's so simple (laughs) Forget it. Of course. Rock rock bottom's always a fun one to play. There's so
0: many uh, cool tunes. Yeah, man. Do you take a big solo in Strangers of the night is there kind of a big yeah Rob Michael Bottom Schenker thing the big at the solo end in the middle yeah what what, what kind of stuff do you do on that?
2: Ah uh, you know it's it's basically you're playing over one note e and it's kind of Dorian so I just kind of go off and try to do some cool stuff, you know yeah yeah, uh, yeah so you get the whole Dorian thing. Yeah, I've. Um, <laughs> I need to warm up again. I'm. I'm talking too much. Awesome. Throw some of that oh, kind of stuff in there.
0: There's some of that kitchen sink shit. You're you're a beautiful player, man. You remind oh, me man, of thanks. Sean I Sean just Lane.
2: That very sloppily, but
0: were you a Sean Lane fan?
2: Oh man, he was pretty insane. Definitely an insane player.
0: Yeah. So what are you running through today in your studio? Is it uh the JMP?
2: I'm um, yeah, JMP, the Marshall, and uh, I ha- it's n- it doesn't have like a whole lot of gain. The preamp is set to eight, and I have the uh, analog man KOT on. So if I turn that off, I'm using the orange side. This is kind of the stock sound of the Marshall. So it's kind of got some gain, but you know, not a whole lot. It's more of a crunch thing. And then I just kick on the pedal. Nice. Yeah, so it just sings a little bit more with a pedal.
0: And you do that? You use that kind of a setup for a lot of your record, kind of going between those kind of things?
2: Yeah, it's been what I've been using for the last few records for the most part. And I bought a Fender Super Reverb that's a 1965, yeah. so I've been using that for some stuff. And I bought a Fender um, Deluxe Reverb reissue, and I've been using that a little bit too. So trying to How did mix you get- up the tones a little bit more.
0: How did you get your King of Tone pedal? Because some people have to wait years to get one. Apparently, from Mister Analog Man.
2: Well, I've had it for maybe seven years now. I'm guessing five or seven years, and um, I think it it didn't take that long. Maybe at that point he had some in stock. I was gonna I was gonna show you the back of it, but but it has Velcro on it, so it's covered over. But it, the serial number is number six six six. Sweet. And I got it, and I went, hey, wait a minute. I don't know if I should plug this thing in. But, yeah, I've, I've had it a while. And uh, huh. it's it's become the pedal I use most. And There's some other things, too, that are really cool, like the J-Rocket um, Archer, which I have. Is that a, that that's an awesome overdrive? Yeah, the that's silver overdrive. one. I'm actually looking for it, but I don't know where it is right now.
0: Yeah, I have one of those Uh, pedals, the Dude or something. The Dude pedal from J-Rocket, I think. Oh, yeah, that's supposed to
2: be really cool, too. I don't have that one. I'd like to get one. This was apparently the Klon.
0: Yeah, oh, okay, it's a Klon. Klon clone. I found it. Nice, yeah.
2: I've used this a lot over the years, too, and it's worked really good. That's a great name because you
0: can't call it the Klon, so the Archer, is because of the graphic, it harkens to the Klon. Good right,
2: <laughs> they make this silver one and a gold one, too. I don't know what the difference is, but it's a good-sounding pedal. And one thing I used a lot on the new record, and I don't endorse any of these guys, so I'm not trying to push their gear, but I bought the uh, Full Tone OctaFuzz.
0: I love that pedal.
2: I only wanted it for the higher octave for a particular part I was working on on the record, and for whatever reason, <laughs> it didn't. It just didn't do what I wanted it to do for that higher octave thing. But I found that by switching off the higher octave and just using it as a fuzz... I got all kinds of great tones and i used it all over the new record which is crazy because i've never been a fuzz guy really yeah. i mean i've used a couple here and there sparingly but you know i used this pedal a lot on the new record and you get some really cool tones when you turn the volume down and some nasty stuff if you want to it's pretty crazy and the octave part i used that too it does sound great as well but it just didn't work for the particular part i you know i want it that I had in mind, but I used it for other stuff.
0: All right, well, Vinny, man, thanks for meeting up today over Zoom. I'm glad you're feeling better, and I really appreciate it. Wow, all right, hit us with one last couple of licks, brother. Okay. (laughs)